0: World designs. Oh, this episode of the Brutal Reality Digest Online Podcast is brought to you by New World Designs, Vancouver's finest selection of retro-inspired fashion. Located on West Hastings Street, New World is locally owned and operated in just plain radical. They strive to bring the best in vintage reproduction brands such as Collective, Voodoo Vixen, Hell Bunny, Band Apparel, Betty Page Clothing, and more. They can also hook you up with accessories like jewelry from local designers. Oh yeah! New World Designs is also a recognized safe place by the Vancouver Police Department as they are inclusive to all who wish to embrace this retro look. Don't live in Vancouver? Unfortunately, neither do I. Luckily, New World Designs now offers an online store. That's right, head on over to nwdvan.com and she can ship your groovy new clothing right to your door. Still not satisfied? Tell your pals that Brutal Reality Digest sent you by using the coupon code STAYRAD and get a 10% discount. Now that's a spanking deal, folks. Once again, that's nwdvan.com or if you're lucky enough to live right in Vancouver, head on down to 434 West Hastings Street and say hello to Jen and her lovely crew that's New World Designs.
1: Welcome back to Brutal Reality Digest Online Podcast, the shortest podcast name in the West. We are pleased. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's invite or uh, please introduce Mia is back on the show coming all the way from her her matrix on the side of the highway somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for plugging in your phone for long enough to, to chat with us today. Heck yeah. And then right here in Red Deer, Alberta, we got Mr. Kyle. Key. Key or keys?
2: Hello. Is
1: it plural or key. singular?
2: Everyone, no, everyone thinks it's keys. I've been dealing with that all my life, but it's just one singular key.
0: One singular key. But he makes a lot of noise with it.
1: Hey-o. <laughs> <laughs> it
3: makes a lot of noise, yeah.
1: <laughs> How's it going today, guys?
3: Good, good.
2: Yeah, it's like a little chaotic, warm out,
3: but... Busy. <laughs> yeah, I
2: Unlike yeah. it. Unlike Mia yeah. climbing a mountain, I had to mow the grass today it was getting pretty shaggy
1: yeah it's uh the adult life here in red Deer. it's a little hot and muggy it looks like it's threatening to rain but i don't know if it's going to but we're getting by we're getting by through uh cold beverages and uh, skimpy clothing <laughs>
2: <laughs> So yeah, that's right and yeah, uh, cold beers help for sure
1: cold beers do help so uh for the folks at home that may not know you kyle you're a bit of a, a bit of a renaissance man in uh, Central Alberta, so let's uh, let's let's go down the laundry laundry list of your uh, occupations. What are you up to today? Let's <clears throat> start. Let's start there.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if we want to start chronologically <laughs> or how we want to
0: <laughs>
2: organize, but uh, no, I'm just in my office today at Ross Street Printing, uh, doing a couple uh, print jobs. It's kind of been a nice little thing to keep me afloat through this pandemic people always still need things printed and and that sort of thing so uh doing some sign projects businesses are reopening so they need signage for their front windows and that sort of thing so working on some stuff for just some local downtown clients
1: yeah so i noticed one thing like i've seen them all around but i know you kind of got ahead of the game on with uh i don't know what you would call them but those like floor stickers like stay away six feet back right. you kind of got you kind of got going on those pretty quick in the game correct
2: yeah we did we started making those back in um like late april early may and i just i just made like three of them for just some neighboring businesses and myself and then kind of posted them online that said hey we just we just started ross Street printing like in february so this was a very early uh Issue for us to face with uh, with the whole pandemic, and uh, saw that people started making floor stickers in different communities. So, I wanted to uh, yeah jump on that as soon as possible because we're still we're still we're still using them. They're still everywhere. So,
1: so if people aren't aware, you're kind of downtown. We'll get to, we'll get to what else you got going on downtown there in a little bit. But you're kind of there's a whole little group of you guys that are in this building on Ross street in red deer. You got your little office there where you do, you do all your printing right out of there.
2: Yeah, we do all the printing here. I've just got a big, uh, big commercial printer and vinyl cutter. So it's just a little one man office where I just pump out whatever needs to get made. And, uh, yeah, we get some, some neighbors up here, some residential people that live upstairs in the apartments here. And then, uh, the taco loft is also like right out my back door. So that's always nice to get a, Get a taco and some <laughs> beer, and just snack away and work away in the office. It's pretty good.
3: Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah,
1: not a good place to work if you're dieting. Cause it's the smell of like,
2: <laughs> the burritos and... no. <laughs> well, there's healthy options. They, they've, they've got a pretty uh, vegetable-forward uh, garnishes and everything. So it's pretty. I, I, I like to think it's healthy. I don't know. <laughs> so you tell yourself. Well, you're not over. I haven't seen the. Nu- <laughs> I haven't seen the nutritional information on it yet, but. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and unfortunately for those guys, I mean, they've been doing well no matter what, but uh, it kind of
2: didn't
1: have a good chance when they opened. It was like COVID, like a week later.
2: Yeah, we. It was funny because we were actually almost in the same boat because Raw Street Printing. I took over uh, this office space and you know leased all this equipment, and that was in February, and they were just starting to. They were still like at the peak of their renovating and uh, they had to open, like, March 15th or something was one of their first days. So that is, like, when the entire world stopped at the same time. So it's been very very interesting, you know, working with uh, fellow business owners and kind of, you know, sharing the same struggles that we've all been going through and adapting, you know, as fastly and as sanely as we can.
1: Yeah, it's definitely... uh... Unique time, and unfortunately, some businesses haven't, or I don't know if they could make it, or they just decided that it's time to shut her down. But luckily, you've, uh, well, you've actually started up new businesses. So, yeah, you're picking up where they left off.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, just just kind of picking up for sure. I knew uh, I knew I didn't want to go away and and you know be forced to close businesses. The other one that I have downstairs is the the Velvet Olive Lounge. And I was just I just hit the exact one year mark of owning the bar when uh, when the pandemic hit as well. So that was that was a thing that I was kind of just getting used to everything there and, and, you know, fine tuning everything and and really getting into the groove. And then everything changed overnight. So uh, I knew I definitely didn't want to stop doing that. I wanted to get back to that. Um, That was kind of the main driving uh, thing through the whole pandemic, was keeping that going.
1: Yeah, so people, if you're unfamiliar with the Velvet Olives, it's a super welcoming and cozy place, but it is not the most massive bar you'll go to. Like, what's your, your uh, no. capacity?
2: Um Our pre-COVID capacity was 42 people inside, and that included the musicians that were on stage. Uh, Post-COVID, with six-foot restrictions, our capacity goes down to 16 people. So oh, that's... That is 39% occupancy. I know we're allowed to do 50, but we still have to maintain the safe distance between everyone. So we're actually below the 50 cent, 50% mark uh, to keep everybody kind of above above the the regulation red tape.
1: Yeah, and then you do have a I wouldn't say a a patio, but it, you have an outdoor area that belongs to you that you can see people as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, we we definitely refer to it as a patio. Um, it is uh, again quite cozy. We only have eight people out there now, uh, as a maximum, but uh, up to twenty people. But even if there's twenty people on that patio, it would be it would be a pretty bumping party, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I noticed because it's kind of exposed to the elements before. So you guys kind of gotta, you kind of need to have that space no matter what. So. The weather isn't always agreeable, so you pretty much had to, to build a shelter so you could put people out there rain or shine, correct?
2: Well, essentially, um, it, it, was always, it was always a thought, and I had actually talked to some guys that had owned the business previously, and uh, it was not always a thought there was an existing standing gazebo there, and, but it wasn't covered. It was just, it was just kind of a decorative like, pergola support uh, in between the two buildings. So we, we opted to cover it with some, with some corrugated uh, vinyl material lengths. And uh, that was definitely interesting, acquiring that stuff and getting it up there. But now that it's up there and, uh, you know, it gives our guests a little bit of rain coverage. If it does rain, then we don't lose those seats on the patio. Because um, the biggest thing for us to, to, you know, keep our heads above water is to you know be as busy as we can given the circumstances and we're only allowed to have a reduced amount of people inside so we don't want to lose people on the patio just after a little bit of rain
3: Mm -hmm. how have you guys been doing like i know a lot of businesses they've either been doing almost better or just in general kind of um, struggling a bit
2: it, it it's been it's been an interesting uh, experiment, I guess I would call it, because we've' okay. we've, uh, we've expanded into into the front space attached to the valve valve. there's a, there a kitchen and a cafe, and we took over the kitchen part uh, initially right away. and we've been offering food for the first time, like good, actually quality made food. I, I hired a, a cook named Luke, and he's been uh, been creating all these new, New food items. So now that we have that, and we're at reduced capacity, we're kind of we're kind of in the incubator stage of, of fine tuning uh, that process with adding food and you know all of the new things that come with running a commercial kitchen. So mm-hmm. it's it's been it's been really good. Uh, you know the the response that we've had from the community and people coming in making reservations and. Uh, Enjoying a night or a weekend out, but we know that once you know further restrictions lifted with our fingers crossed Will allow us to really thrive in that space awesome. Again and probably sooner than sooner than later if uh, all things go well
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, so you guys were you guys were known although, you know, we've been over It's not the hugest place, but you do have a stage and people that go there are very supportive of the music scene but I guess, unfortunately, right. like you're not alone in this. It, it, music's kind of <laughs> came to a screeching halt. So I know I, you'd know more about this than me. I know I saw some sort of thing, and it was I think stage two said you could have music but no singing. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah. So the the wording that the uh, that they used was that you could have instrumental concerts, and any live music that happened outside, they recommended. Uh, that you, you know, you have masks. You, like you, if you go down to the farmer's market, you see people playing music and they're singing, but they have a mask on and they're, you know, very far away from all the people that tip. their tipping hat is, was it, you know, uh, definitely
1: was it from them. <laughs>
2: uh, it might've been slipknot. I don't know. That's the thing. You could actually see like a really famous person just wearing a mask at the red deer farmer's market. You'd never know. You'd never know. It was actually them. Um, but so we at the Velvet Olive, um, being such a live music uh, focused venue, we wanted to get back to offering music as soon as possible in whatever capacity we could. So we started doing uh, the day after the restrict, we entered stage two, uh, they allowed the instrumental concert. So we actually did an instrumental open mic uh, on Friday and that went over really well. We limited it to only five people. Could sign up on the list so that way we could have the the musicians, you know, all sitting all all sitting at a table, and then we had our other three tables open to the public, so people could come down and uh, and you know enjoy some some capacity of live music again. And uh, the range of musicians that we had play was really really cool. And there were people that had never really played an open mic previously at the Velvet Olive Of people that we all knew but didn't know that they. Uh, played instrumental music and they kind of just were looking for uh, an opportunity and an avenue and that, you know, kind of just came up. So it's really cool to be able to offer those uh, experiences for people to uh, to get up and play when they otherwise wouldn't have.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, wordless music or lyricless music is better than no music, especially live music because we're all Absolutely. itching to see bands one way or another.
3: Yeah. yeah offering and- back that normal Feel.
1: what are you yeah, seeing absolutely. down south yeah. there, Mia? And are you still calling calgary home or are you just kind of wherever the hell you want to be
3: <laughs> i'm kind of all over the place i guess it's like canmore calgary
1: are you seeing any anything like that going on some any sort of
3: not really no i think there's still a lot of uh caution around it like they're it's weird it's kind of split in half people are like full blown back to normal or they're still playing it really really cautious but as far as entertainment and stuff like that, that it goes like they're really holding back on it especially for like big events and stuff like that
1: yeah
2: absolutely so no, definitely no. lacking yeah the big I heard concerts there's like are some gonna secret happen. there's like secret music festivals that i heard
3: oh really oh i'm out of the there's loop like then. secret
2: me- music gatherings where it was like limited the, one, one of uh one of the guys i work with actually he he asked for a night off work because he got invited to the 60 person only music festival
1: oh, Is So like a spooky easy cool. <laughs> but with music?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: like I I, I didn't get any more information from them. I didn't know who was playing, I didn't know who was there, I didn't know where it was. I knew it was about an hour hour outside of Red Deer, but I don't know. Maybe you got to take the the matrix out for a little
3: <laughs> do some scoping.
2: <laughs> Scope out some tunes.
1: I feel like weather yeah. permitting you could do some cool stuff outside. And actually keep the Definitely social distancing. Yeah, Very yeah, tough For I you
2: to do it, the it all, unfortunately. That yeah, that's that's the thing. When you have a venue, it, it's nice to. It was nice to be able to see all the musicians doing their live streams, and you're being able to connect with musicians in a way that you uh, didn't do as much before when you got to just go see them live. And and now that people are starting to play outside, and there's there's you know house shows going on, and you know. A, People invite people over to their house and limit it to you know ten or fifteen people in their basement. They start doing shows, and uh, we're we're fortunate now that we're able to do some instrumental stuff and working towards doing more music. But uh, it was definitely it was definitely hard to to not put any programming together on the stage. Like, That's kind of just your instinct uh, reaction is to is to do something, give musicians mm-hmm. the opportunity to play. And it's hard not to be able to, to to have somebody else tell you no, you can't do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you were really starting to hit your stride because I remember approaching you about a show opportunity, and you're just kind of like, "Buddy, like I'm booking six months in advance. Like, ask me about."
2: People. Yeah, it, it, it got it got pretty uh, it, it it got to a good groove where we were booking musicians, you know, that far in advance, and and starting to do more ticketed shows, and people were buying. Buying uh, buying their tickets like the day they were on sale, we we would sell we would sell out in some cases, oh, and then and that's then we would add awesome. a second show. We uh, yeah we did a JoJo and the Woods show in December, and it was close to Christmas. And the show when we announced the tickets were on sale, they sold out in three hours, I think. <laughs> and that's that was because uh, JoJo's mom or somebody in the family came in and bought half the tickets um, which is only like 20 tickets or whichever but um, so then we added a second show and that show sold out in 45 minutes and the the only way that people could get the tickets to the shows was by coming down to the Olive and buying them in person. There was no online sales so we had people like lined up at the door right when we opened just to buy their tickets, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's great.
1: So obviously that that shows that a lot of us know that downtown Red Deer is actually a pretty cool spot. What do you think the biggest misconception, because a lot of people that I talk to that they don't go downtown because like, oh, there's, you know, there's drug addicts, you'll get robbed. And I'm like, I've had a lot of amazing times down there. What would you like to say (laughs) to the people that are, are worried that it's not a safe place downtown?
2: Um, well, I I think it is, you, you just have to get through the, I don't know, the visual barrier that those people have when they, when they live in their neighborhoods and they don't see what's happening downtown on a daily basis, they, and they just drive through downtown or they hear stories from other people, that sort of thing. They're creating this boundary between them and the experience that people could have downtown. And I think you just have to be comfortable crossing that boundary every once in a while and i i think that those are the people that do come downtown they've already crossed that they've they've connected with the business owners in the community that's on the other side that is you know totally involved with all the businesses connected and and you know all happening downtown um we're all we're all kind of a close-knit community and we're welcoming you know anyone to come in and uh, and join us that's what we need we want we want to see more and more people downtown so uh just come say hi that's uh it could be that it could be that easy
1: yeah and, and obviously covid has put a spin on everything <laughs> everything yeah, pretty yeah. much but were you were you encouraged with what you've seen as a as a year of being the owner of the velvet olive
2: Absolutely, it was. It was starting to uh, the feedback that I got from people, not just writing online reviews, but that came up to me in person, and uh, and said how much the the Velvet Olive had meant to them, and that uh, you know they had kind of found a space where they can be happy and they're and, and comfortable and and kind of feel at home. There's uh, one of our one of our patrons uh, has, uh, has like memory, memory loss, like short-term memory loss. And, uh, him and his wife would come in and, and, and she, she kind of took me aside and said, thank you. Because it's all he talks about at home. Like he, he he might not be able to remember what he had for lunch or supper, but he always talks about going back to the olive and that that was like their happy space And that's, like, they told me that, like, two days before we had to close on on St. Patrick's Day. So it was like, oh, man, like, this is, like, heavy, heavy stuff. And it's awesome to be able to, you know, bring that experience to people and bring, you know, happiness and joy in their lives. And and then it gets taken away. And that was a really, really uh, tough thing to kind of go through in the first in the first weeks and and days of, of, uh, everything changing. But I think now that we are, we're on the upswing and we're able to welcome people back, all the people that have supported us through, uh, three months of being closed, they're all coming back and, and really appreciating that they, uh, are able to help keep the place going. And, uh, all the people that supported us, you know, through those three months, uh, they can kind of see a return on on, you know, how they helped us and how we're helping them by getting things going again.
1: Yeah, I guess we can talk about how your uh, ingenuity of surviving COVID is. You kind of started. Was this your own idea? You kind of started the the mobile ice system where you could. I could. You
2: could talk to you well, and ice
1: someone. Oh, you can explain it better than I can.
2: Yeah, so what happened when they, when they announced some restrictions, or they announced all the restrictions for all these bars and pubs and anyone with a liquor license essentially to, to have to close, they made an amendment to the liquor laws that anyone with a Class A liquor license could do off-sales. So that historically was only for people or, or a business or a liquor store or a pub that was attached to a hotel. That's the only way you could get off sales before. And now you can get off sales from anyone that has a liquor license that's, you know, still following all the liquor laws. So I saw people on Instagram were icing their friends, you know, during ice iso- isolation, It's kind of a funny play on words. <laughs> and I looked in my fridge at the olive in the cooler. I had 17 Smirnoff ice. So I said, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to create a little e-commerce website, and people can order uh, Smirnoff ice for $10, and they can ice one of their friends. And $10 is perfect, because it's like a novelty, it's a novelty number, but <laughs> people would be like, oh yeah, 10 bucks that's easy. And uh, so we started doing that, and we sold the 17 Smirnoff ice, like, in two hours. They were, they were gone.
3: Oh, crazy. Okay.
2: So then I started buying Smirnoff Ice because I saw that this had huge potential to, you know, become a thing. And it actually became my full time job for like three weeks. I was just driving around the city with a spreadsheet and a laptop and figuring out all these addresses um, and doing 10, 20. I think the busiest day we had, we did 50 deliveries. And sometimes I'd have a buddy in the car just, like, helping navigate and helping write out these little notes. We included personalized notes with each of the Smirnoff Ice. So I'm sure some of your listeners and readers have, uh, have been been uh, subject to receiving uh, Smirnoff Ice. And we got lots of cool videos. And, uh, you know, it, it was just a really cool way to connect with the community in a, in a way that, uh, you know, kind of brought a little bit of surprise and, and, and joy into people's lives and they had to slam a smear off ice
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and it's you know a way for you to keep the lights on in a tough time without you know having to be like literally begging for money which you know
2: absolutely understandable Yeah. understandable
1: to have to do that in a shitty time but it's like you didn't have to resort to that you're just like hey sure you're paying a lot of yeah. money for an ice but it's you're supporting a good cause to keep this place alive and
2: well, yeah, and, and and it included delivery and uh, and a personalized little note. So it yeah. was uh, we we tried to we tried to create as, as best value as we could when we're you know disappointing people by showing up uh, <laughs> at their doorstep with a out of ice. And some people I've got, I actually ended up getting two or three times. And every time I showed up to their house, they were like, "Oh no, <laughs> <it's> you again!" <laughs> like, "Yeah, here you go, your other buddy got you." So it it kind of had this cool little. A ripple effect where you know people would get somebody and then they'd get them back, or somebody got a bunch of people and then somebody else random would sneak in and they would ice the people that were icing other people, and it was it was a cool little cool little thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of what you got to do. You got to think on your feet and come up with neat ideas to.
2: Yeah, and and when I was talking about you know the people that supported us through those three months of being closed the support from the Smirnoff Ice campaign alone paid for all the renovations that we did inside the bar and all of the time that we kind of took to do that was was really made possible by that whole campaign. So we're very fortunate of all the people that participated and, uh, yeah, can't thank them enough.
1: Yeah. So I know you said, you obviously can't have bands in there singing right now, but I know you had said that you'd had a comedy show kind of a pop-up thing is that something that we could expect more of or is that got to be careful with it or well, what's the outcome?
2: yeah that was uh that was an interesting thing as well is that they that they allowed comedy clubs to reopen so i there's nothing that really uh you know con- there's no definition of what a comedy club is and we've done uh we haven't done a comedy show per se in the past but the, we've had lots of comedians on stage during our open mic and comedians hosting and participating in in various events. So um, it was kind of something that we, uh, Zachary Landry, a buddy of mine, which you both know a little bit. um, Mm -hmm. We were just sitting, sitting there over a beer and, and I had no, I was kind of coming up short on instrumentalists, like local instrumental musicians to play on the stage. So um where I was kind of talking about that challenge and I said, Well, why don't we do a comedy show? And he's like, Yeah, sure. Like, when are you thinking? And I said, Tomorrow. And and uh and and Greg was sitting beside him, Greg Plett, another local comedian. And I said, Hey Greg, do you wanna do a comedy show tomorrow? He's like, Yeah, I'll be there. So from that no. <laughs> it uh it became a thing and uh there's a poster of Zachary that we made on, on the event post and it's him, uh, completely nude, wearing a ball cap in front of, uh, in front of a textbook. A textbook is obviously covering the the parts that the (laughs) precarious parts of his body. (laughs) And, uh, we, we had a couple tables that came in just for that advertising. They're like, wow, this guy is (laughs) advertising that he's doing a fake comedy show and he's completely nude in the poster. And, and there he is, he's on stage right now. And, uh, it was funny because Zachary even had posters printed off from Ross street printing of all places. (laughs) Um, but he was after, after the show, he was signing posters for everybody that, that came just, just because of that. And so it was actually a really fun night. And, uh, to answer your question, I would say we would definitely do that again, uh, to make it, uh, even a part of our weekly programming because there's been so many places that although they are allowed to reopen they didn't survive the you know the the pandemic so i think there's there's a huge need for the places that have survived to to you know double down on on what they're offering for entertainment and and offer a little bit more because that's what people are really needing to experience right now they need to uh they need to experience that socialization that whole night out and uh, Mm -hmm. release that live music and that comedy can, can bring.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, you're, you're doing God's work. So I'm glad (laughs) you're able to stay safe and keep serving the community that you obviously care a lot about.
3: Yeah. And keeping it alive too.
2: Yeah. It's, it, it's a lot of work and it's, it's kind of the responsibility that i put on myself to you know give give so much into you know keeping it alive but i know i can see it and i can feel it when when people come back i know that it's important to them and and they recognize that it's important to me and you know all the all the business owners that exist in any downtown wherever you are um, there's a network of people that you know care about about their clientele and they want them to keep experiencing you know what they have to offer and what they're all kind of bringing together so yeah
1: oh yeah man well we'll start wrap this up we didn't get to get into your your final gig at least the gig that i know about is your your job moonlighting as a magician are you going to be doing any of that at the velvet Hulk?
2: um actually in February. Um we did the very first time that magic had ever uh been performed at the olive uh that I was aware of, aside from me maybe doing the ground opening a couple of years back, but um we did an open magic night on Valentine's Day and that was like one of our busiest nights. It was crazy. We only we had like three or four local people kinda go up and perform some magic, uh myself included. But uh, I guess for those of you listening at home that don't know, I, I've been a magician for most of my life—like twenty-six years. I've been a magician, and it doesn't look like I've been doing anything really that long.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, what's your what's your specialty? Like sleight of hand type of stuff? Is that what you enjoy doing?
2: Um, no, I, I like. I like working with people. I I like. Uh, I do more of a parlor kind of stand-up show, and I, I I do a few tricks, but I'm mostly just having a conversation with the audience, and I'm I'm you know explaining things to them in a way that I'm showing I'm showing them things that they wouldn't normally see, and and kind of making uh, making light of it, and uh, I don't know just. Really having fun by showing, showing off some cool magic tricks. Awesome, man!
1: Well, Mia, do you got any, for... any questions to bring this
3: home? What would you say is your favorite gig? Favorite gig? Yeah. Because like... uh, I hear you have like a hand in quite a few, quite a few things. So oh, yeah, between did... being a magician, and...
1: he didn't the... even touch on his uh... Uh, his rival pr- publication
2: i <laughs> Oh, oh no. yeah. I also, yeah, also published a magazine which can very conveniently like, didn't get mentioned during this entire <laughs> podcast interview. But, um,
0: oh, no. No.
2: no, um, I think the most rewarding thing that I really came to really enjoy was, uh, the opportunity to teach uh, kids how to do magic. Um, Aww. so I started. I started. I started a whole uh, lesson, lesson workshop thing that I was doing in uh, in libraries and schools across the province. And uh, I had two programs where I taught kids, like you know, the basic motor skills and how to handle things, and just just that just that movement with your hands to make things happen, and just kind of teaching them some core competency skills to you know get up in front of a group and and talk and and present something as as a trick. And being a part Mm -hmm. of that experience for kids was like the most rewarding thing ever. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting back into teaching more so than I am performing because I've performed like most of my life and now becoming a serial entrepreneur. um, I'd really like to focus on the things that are, that are a bit more rewarding and uh and still being able to do you know all the other things that i do as well so
3: Mm -hmm. that's wicked
1: yeah right on Kyle. well well, thanks a lot for coming on the show um so once again read the red deer scene get your shit printed at (laughs) ross street printing get your magic fix at what is it uh magic key productions is that right Close enough?
2: Yeah, Magic Keep production. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then go get your, go wet your whistle at the Velvet Olve. Did I miss anything?
2: <laughs> uh, that, that should be good for now. That should be good for now. Yeah. Check
1: in with you again in a month. You'll probably have six more businesses, but
2: <laughs> maybe one. Maybe one more.
1: Awesome, Emil. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time and look forward to having, uh, crushing yeah. some beers down at the Velvet Olve and trying out your new menu because I'm hungry.
2: Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks very much for having me and, uh, I'll be uh, more than happy to have you guys anytime.
0: All right. Thanks for tuning in to another rendition of the Brutal Reality Digest online podcast. Thanks a lot, Kyle Key, for joining us. Make sure you're checking out the Velvet Olive, Ross Street Printing, the Red Deer Scene, and all of his other wonderful endeavors. And if you're not done with your Brutal Reality fix, make sure you check out BrutalRealityDigest.com for all kinds of interesting content.